Good morning, Jerry. Good morning, John. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. I, I didn't want to be eating during my the show, but it's hard for me to stop because, you see, I'm eating my pumpkin pie oatmeal. Oh, is it good? You know, here, Mary yeah. Jane, when she heard about that, she said, wow, of course he put the crust in. What would oh, it be without in. the crust? I mean, crust in. It wouldn't be. It would be just pumpkin oatmeal. Yeah. But I make yeah. pumpkin pie oatmeal. Wow, I am so impressed that you you did that, and a little envious, I must say. Yeah, well, um, I figured yeah. the show I would mention that. Yeah, of course, I couldn't resist. Of course, of course, yeah, you, you have to. And we'll, so, we'll have some art, uh, well, some artwork with uh, that fe- featuring that in the in the show notes. Put that something in there. Yeah. Hey, uh, what are you wearing uh, besides a blanket and maybe two blankets? Two, yes, yeah, a two blanket day for sure. <laughs> it's a two uh, blanket day. Yeah, yeah. So you, know, you have to measure things, right? So yeah. Uh, yeah, I've got the t-shirt on, but I must say I've got a long sleeve t-shirt over it because I'm a little chilly. It's in the 40s here, which is nice weather for me. I like it when it's like this. But my my t-shirt is the wolf t-shirt. I live here too. Wolf t-shirt. Yeah. Well, you know, I haven't done this in a while, and since our season of the lizard is coming to a close within the next month. I figured, mm-hmm. what the heck, I'm going to wear a Season of the Lizard t-shirt. Uh, oh. This is a, this is a t-shirt, which uh, uh, it's, it's solely for producer and podcast personality. It's, it's a, what I yeah. call limited quantity. This is a collector's limited item. Edition. Limited edition? Limited edition. Uh, if you wanted to get it, you'd have to pull it off our backs. Yeah. That's it. That's Pretty the only much. way you could get this. But, yeah. uh, hey, you know what? Uh, it's not all that bad because you see we have an alternative, which I think is pretty good. Myself. Oh, by the way, I, for accuracy, I should point out that Bondi has one of the, the T-shirts we have, and so does Sarah down in Australia because they 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 are very active in our show. Oh yes, active. We know about yeah. active. We're going to be talking about that during the Groaners. How some some <laughs> of our listeners are more active than others. So well, we have active. We have active non-listeners, which is unusual. Yeah, there's uh, and those come into various categories. Yeah, well, but it's you know what, but we do not discriminate between active and non-active listeners. No, we don't. We treat them all equally. Yeah, it's been said that we cater to our (laughs) non-listeners. Yeah, we do actually. That that seems to be the reason we do that is because they happen to be a larger part of our demographics. (laughs) <laughs> oh man! Oh, my. I yeah, I've been telling people about your 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 rants about active non listeners and non active listeners. It's not uh, that big a problem. I don't consider it an obstacle. Okay. No, it's all good. But more important, we have a sponsor, and it's important okay. that we let people know about our sponsor. Okay. The sponsor happens to be the Horned Lizard Conservation Society Mission. And that's where T-shirts come back into the fold here as we discuss them. Yeah. And uh, this organization, formed back in 1990, is a group of volunteers only. Nobody's stuffing their pockets with cash here. 501c3 that is devoted to the uh, preservation the uh, of, a, of a 
lizard that is um, somewhat endangered, and they do everything they can with respect to studying it and learning about it so that we make sure that this lizard continues onward. Oh. Boy, that, that's that's well said. Uh, I really appreciate that. And you can get a T-shirt that, that shows the horned lizard with a, you know, in its native habitat, and it's it's worth giving a look to. It's in our show notes. Just a tap or click on the picture, and you'll be able to buy one of these wonderful T-shirts and help support this wonderful cause. We have a yep, story about good. a lizard hey, today, though, don't we? We do. In fact, you know, this is one we've been kind of holding back a little bit. It's it, it, We consider it to be good. We wanted to do a little bit towards the end. It's one of the more popular uses of uh, lizards in, in culture. And it has to do with a movie. It's a movie that came out in 1950 called The Freshman. Uh, if I 19 what? One, ni- 1990. Sorry, 1990. Okay, good. Um, 19, there's, I got 1950 on my mind, but that's later in the show. That's later okay. in the show. So, uh, this movie, uh, filmed in 1990. I call this, if I wanted to call it one thing, I'd call it a spoof. Yeah. It's an imi- it, it's basically mocking something in a very lighthearted way, parody, satire, whatever. What does it yeah. have to do with? It has to do with the fact we've got, let's go through the cast real quick. We got Marlon Brando. Playing, reprising his role is Vito Carleone. In this one, he's called, uh, what's his name, Carmine uh, Sabatini? Sabatini, yeah. Yeah, and we got Matthew, uh, the, the fall guy in the movie is uh, Matthew Broderick. And yep. his, uh, and the lady that's uh, eagerly uh, embracing and wanting him is played by Penelope Ann Miller. So what oh, do we yeah. have going on here? we've got is we've got a uh, a uh, guy from Vermont kind of clueless making his way into New York City going to New York University to learn film studies and all of a sudden this Carmine Sabatini who is uh he is he's got a a, a restaurant um, called the Gourmet Club is it or the Gourmet uh yeah it's a it's a traveling uh it's more like a dinner, a di- dinner, a dining club. Yeah, dinner club, exactly. Yeah, and in various locations, it moves. It moves to avoid the borders. Yeah, that's probably important for it to keep moving because what it's yeah. doing is it has a big dinner once a year, which features as its main entree an endangered species. That's this correct. year, they have picked the Komona dragon to be the one who is the, 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 unlike, the unfortunate uh Subject of their of their yeah. dinner, and yeah. what we've got to do is we've got the dinner coming or the dragon coming in uh, to the Kennedy uh, the airport, and what they need to do is they need to get it from the airport to its eventual destination, and the one who's going to be do, doing that is Matthew Broderick. Yeah. So uh, the escapades that go on with respect to the dragon, as far as is the important part that we want to talk about. There's yeah. a lot of other little ins and outs and in betweens, and we don't yeah, really want to get too much into ball, that. We want to, we want to get scene. to the deets. Yeah. Sure. We want to, we want to get to the main character, which unfortunately is not even in the cast, and that's the reason we feel a need to make yeah. this uh, story this this week is we need to have this this lizard brought out to be a prominent part of the movie. So yeah. uh, there's a couple of scenes. Why don't you go a little bit on the scenes and then talk a little bit about is this really a Kimono dragon? Lizard or okay. not? Yeah, this is this is a tough one. Uh, wonderful movie. I'll just I'm not going to go into the movie either. We're going to talk about the lizard in the movie, but 
This, I really, this is one of our families down here in Austin, our family's favorite movies. We really did. We use lines from it in our daily conversation sometimes. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's so funny. There's layers of satire within this thing. But in any case, there, uh, Matthew Broderick gets roped into doing this. And so right. he's trying to get the lizard from, as you said, from the airport. Uh, you know, to uh, Larry London's facility. Larry London is a character in the movie who is partners with Carmine Sabatini, and he is the chef end of the deal, and also housing for the unfortunate animal that will be consumed by uh, the hoi polloi of the day, the people who <laughs> like to eat endangered species, yeah. just to say they did it. And right. so... This is this is quite a journey he makes with this lizard. You get a good look at the lizard. The lizard's in the back of the car. The lizard likes to rip up upholstery. Uh, and the lizard gets out of the car, accidentally gets in a shopping mall. Hilarity ensues. Matthew Broderick yeah. chases said lizard. Now, this scene, is as we talked about it, involves actually seven different lizards. There isn't one lizard. In the credits, John, because there were too many of them to name, I think. I'm sure that's what mm. it was. Because Very, they that's, had, a, that's a lame excuse. But I'll go, it's I'll, I'll, I'll worse go than that. It. It's worse than lame. It's fictitious. So, in any case, there were seven, though, uh, different lizards that were used to do this. These were not Komodo dragons. These were okay, that's Asian. The news were, yeah. 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 In, 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 this is not a Komodo dragon. This is actually an Asian water monitor monitors these these animals are the second largest lizard in the world the largest lizard in the world is in fact the komodo dragon which has an appearance that is similar but in no way like komodo dragon the komodo dragon is stouter clubbier uh a little rougher looking and also it looks it looks like komodo dragon looks like this what are you doing what are you doing here? What, what are you doing? You know, that's the Komodo dragon. Here, Here's the Asian water monitor. Oh, hi. <laughs> that's, the, that's the difference. That, uh, by the way, that was oral therapy I was doing there. In case you missed it. I think an important so, part, the first thing to, to, to realize is there's scenes in this movie where Matthew Broderick actually picks up the lizard. Yes. And the size is probably the main reason we're not using a Komodo dragon lizard. At least one of the main reasons. One of the main because reasons. Because there's yes. no way a 10 foot lizard, uh, he'd be able to handle in any way. While this lizard is obviously about, what, three feet, maybe? No, it, it's, it, it's, uh, there's the body of the lizard, there's the tail. The tail is as long and sometimes longer than the body. Oh, so And this is, that. yeah, okay. it's, it's, yeah, the, the lizard, they grow quite large, but the ones they have in the movie are, are you know, any, they vary. Uh, they're not all the same size. There's lo- uh, the body, maybe yeah. four feet, four feet, the biggest one, but the one they're serving up and all that stuff is about three feet. Uh, right. And je- oh, what I, I mean, should say, yeah, they, they know, well, I hate to say it, but, you know, the, if you don't want to hear a spoiler, just close your ears right now. They do not cook the dragon, okay? All right, let's just take that off the table. Yeah, let's uh, let's just say they didn't have Peter didn't. I was getting anxious. I was getting anxious. Yeah, I, I, I'm more concerned about the fact that this 
this lizard, when you watch it in a movie, is able to do is just a comic treat. I mean, he's incredible the way he acts, you know, sometimes fast, sometimes slow, uh, seems to be in predicaments, uh, works well with humans. Uh, bottom yeah, line is, actually, you think that, uh, you think that, what did they do to get this lizard to do all this stuff? Did they frog it? Temperature, temperature control, thermodynamics, Ooh, my friend. Very good. The, they slow down when it gets cold. They require a lot of heat. If you're going to keep, I, I read a lengthy article on keeping a water monitor, Asian water monitor, as a pet, which, <laughs> believe it or not, people do. It takes a massive enclosure to house one of these things because their tail is so long. And their tail is their major weapon, by the way, although they can bite and they do have some venom, very similar to the Komodo dragon. The tail is their major thing. It's ridged, almost finned, so they can swim better. They don't use their, their claws, their hands to swim much. They put them by the sides and they swish their tail, their whole body. They are very, they're like Elvis, man, on, 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 you know, Ed Sullivan. They're moving all mm. over the place when they, when they go forward. There's a lot of side movement to go forward with these, with these animals. And it's temperature. They require, like, their favorite temperatures when they're really getting warmed up, over 100 degrees. So if it's cooler than that, they slow down. But in order to eat and digest and all that stuff, they have to have high temperatures to live in and lots of sunlight, UV. They need UV ultraviolet rays. So... I, I believe, although I looked hard and could not find anything about the management of the lizards, I believe they had to lower the temperatures in order to deal with this thing. Otherwise, the lizards would have been biting them and stuff. Now, these lizards do live in captivity, so they're not like wild lizards. But still, I think yeah. I think they got them on the chill. And, in fact, in the movie when they're presenting the Komodo dragon and Burt Parks is singing, here, here it is your Komodo dragon, you know, to the yeah. tune of Miss America, America. which is a beautiful thing to see. Yeah, I mean, there's no end to the spoofs on top of spoofs. Oh, uh, it's like the you think they've ice. gone... They got the lizard on ice the references, when they present him. Yeah, yeah. It's, right? it's, cool. all, it's all there. And, it, and actually, yeah. I, I agree, it's almost to the point that this is a kind of a a movie that you watch over and over again. Uh, You'll it, keep seeing it, stuff. Yeah, yeah. So... Uh, you know what? You know how you do your check boxes with uh, Hallmark. You could do yeah. that. You could do that with this. You could have a list of at least twenty spoofs. I mean, even Larry London. That's not his real name. This guy is an escaped Nazi. You know, there's <laughs> just things within things. You know, you get the you get to see Marlon Brando uh, ice skating. You know, which is something to see. And you know, and his relationship with Broderick. You know, and no one. No one says it out loud that he's the Vito Corleone character, but you you kind of know he oh, is. But it, and, there's subtle references in and out with it. I mean, oh, Bruno yeah. Kirby is constantly kind of you know kind of doing a side that refers his to uncle. Yeah, his uncle. Yeah, and, and and Bruno Kirby was in Godfather Two, playing Clemenza as a young man. Oh, sweet! I know, right? So <clears throat> this thing this thing is just never ending. I'm, I'm trying not to talk about the humans. I want to focus on the lizards. Yeah, it's hard to. It's difficult because it is a. If you haven't seen the freshman, see the freshman. If you have to pay, have to pay four bucks for it on Amazon, do it. It's worth it. It's re- oh, Rent. there you go. Even better. Rent it. Yeah. Do it. It's a classic. You'll never see Marlon Brando like this. You know, it I is think. genuinely funny. If, if you have any sense of humor at all, you'll love it. Sounds good. Okay. Hey, I think That's we it. got a word. 
All. This word. Hey, this word is this hearken. Word. And this is a word that you maybe heard over the last two weeks if you've listened to any news, but it might have slipped by you. So okay. I'm going to spell it out. H-E-A-R-K-E-N. It's pronounced like hark the angels, hearken, but it can be pronounced. There's a, there's a distant second pronunciation of hearken, you could say, but that's not the way it was in the, in the news. What the that's word right. means is to give heed or attention to what is said. Listen, it's sort of like saying you hear, you listen, it's a step up. Take another step with respect to listening very carefully. You would say hearken. Wow. So, I will give the example. Okay. The, defend, the defendant will rise to face the jury and hearken to its verdicts. Now, where Ooh. did I get this from? I got it from the news because a judge by the name of Bruce Schroeder gave that instruction to a defendant before a verdict was given. Of mm. course, that defendant was Kyle Rittenhouse. Oh, wow. Okay. Oh. So this is like you're slipping in some current events here. Yeah, and it just shows that I was hearkened to not the verdict. I was hearkening to what the judge said. <laughs> yeah, I guess you were. Yeah. Hey, I, I have a couple things to say about this word. It nothing to do with the case. Two things, actually. What I didn't realize and that I learned through the show we do together is that the word here, H-E-A-R, is in this word. Yeah. I never knew. I never knew there was a version of this word that was spelled this way. I had always thought it was H A R. So first right. of all, and hearken and hearken are almost the same word, not just pronunciation, but in meaning. You know. Yeah. So it. But not then when I got thinking about it. Okay, the word here is in hearken, but then I noticed something else that maybe everyone else in the world already knew, but the word. Ear is within the word hear. I just, Good point. I just didn't it's, notice it. I just didn't notice it. How can you live 73 now years and not know that? But I did not know that. So this was, yeah. this had me reeling. This had me reeling. I'll be honest. I wasn't sure I could do the show this morning because this was, this was rocking my world in oh, you know, very I, upsetting yeah, ways. Yeah, it can. I mean, this will happen. I mean, I'm I'm glad you were able to. This has been an epiphany. This is a, a yeah. catharsis for you yeah. to basically get this out so you can move on with your life. And I think it's important. Yeah. Wow. Thank you, John. And for your understanding. <laughs> One of the few times, but I'm here to help you. <laughs> yeah. Upon appointment. Okay. Yeah. Upon appointment. Yeah. <laughs> hey, let's let's do our two takes. Yeah, hey, you know what? We just got done on Thursday beating our faces, and we didn't feel that we should go through all this before, but now that all the dust has cleared and we've still got a lot of leftovers, we, we've got a story here that needs to be told. And I think we kind of know the story, but do we know the whole story? And this story has to do with the fact that uh, we've got what are called myths of Thanksgiving. A, a fellow uh, wrote a book uh, about it a couple years ago, his name is Silverman. Uh, I forget his David. I think his name's David Silverman. And he mm-hmm. wrote this book and really went into the details with respect to the Indian side of the equation. So yes, he did. Wapan- Wapanog, uh, Wapanog. Why not? Yeah, it's got a couple of different uh, pronunciations. I kind of slide into the easiest, of course. Sure. So uh, 
the, the deal here is that we all know the, 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 the basic story. You know, a bunch of pilgrims are trying to figure out where to hang. They try Europe, doesn't work. Uh, they end up bouncing around a little bit. They figure the strongest of their crew they're going to put on this ship called the Mayflower. And what's interesting, when I was a kid, being an accountant, I figured, well, how many were on the ship? And yeah, I want to know yeah. how many, how many are on this ship? 120. Then how many get off the ship alive? 120. One died and one birth. Wow. That's, that, that, that's that. as far as I take the story. And then I go to the, wow. the, the food. So, but what we learn is, what we learn is that, oh dear, we have this one day where the, all of a sudden, the Indians get together with the pilgrims and they feast and it's happily ever, ever after. And yeah, and they turn over their they turn over their country to a, a higher good. What we have here is we have two that parties happen. that need have a common need. The Indians, the Wampanoag tribe, has basically been decimated by previous Europeans coming in, and yeah. they become decimated by this disease. They don't know. They thought it was smallpox. They're not real sure what it was, but clearly. Yeah. The tribe was kind of cut down to, you know, like 40% of them were, died because of the illness. Then what we've got is we've got a bunch of pilgrims who are not, they don't really know how to hang in the, in the hardy climate of, of North America, particularly in the winter. So they're not doing too well. So they figure, you know, we need help on both sides because the Indians are basically, you know, they kind of fight a little bit among themselves. And I've got another tribe called the Nag. Huh. Uh, how to pronounce it now? Nagasaki. Nagasaki, yeah. And that tribe is their main enemy. So they said, look, actually, what's interesting about this is the Indians debated, do we try to get together with the tribe and go against the pilgrims, or do we go with the pilgrims and try to go against our enemy tribe? They made That's a correct. decision. They had a three-day conference in which they kind of got together, and they're not getting together as friends. They're getting together more with respect to, uh, you know, trying to come up with a pact, with a treaty. So uh, the first thing you need to, to, you know, you need to understand that they did a lot of fasting. There was a lot, some tough times before they got to the feasting. And then there's a question of the concept of land as the Indians saw it and the pilgrims saw it. Indians look at land as community land. It's like, sure, you can, you can do your crops on your property. But that doesn't mean we're going to put a no trespassing sign on it. You can go right. and you can tromps on it and this and that, whatever. As long yep. as you don't harm us and want to be part of the land, that's okay. Well, we know yep. that Americans don't feel that way. They got to, you know, they no. got to get, they, they've got to buy the property and then put a fence around it. And maybe, you know, back in those days, maybe <laughs> remote, I don't know what the heck they do, but no trespassing. <laughs> trespassing. That's right. So this all, this for 40 years is, is really contested. So they have their feast. But what happens over the next 40 to 50 years is not what you call very good. I mean, it's not just the Indians. The Indians are getting a little fed up with the, the pilgrims. The pilgrims, you know, are, are, are kind of, you know, doing a little bit more with respect to their concept of land. And before yeah. you know it, they're at war called the King Philip's War. And maybe, you know, that war is, I guess, is, is pretty historically when it comes to Indian conflict is considered a, a pretty dramatic and turning point as it relates to Indians, because it's one of those times where Indians are fighting for their for the property. In other words, who's going to control the show here in North America? All right. And um, obviously, we know who won that one. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So. 
And I think, you know, the other piece that comes out of it, now how do we get to the point from that, that war to the point that right now we're, you know, just, you know, repeating our faces and watching god-awful football? Uh, yeah. And how do we get there? Well, those pilgrims, Puritans, Protestant, uh, Protestants, are uh, realize as immigration takes place that this whole idea of Plymouth Rock and Plymouth, Massachusetts is kind of getting on the back. It's sort of getting less and less in their history. So they want to boost tourism. They want to leave their mark. So what they yep. do is, out of fear of Catholics and Jews who are coming over from yep. Europe, they decide yep. that what they're going to do is they're going to make this a real, real big publicity uh, event. Yep. And uh, so what do we do? We have a national holiday. When is that holiday created? in the middle of the Civil War, when Abraham Lincoln right. figures, you know what? This is a National good time unity. for unity. Yeah. So let's let's hang a let, let's 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 uh, use Thanksgiving as a way to maybe kind of make overtures that we ought to be trying to think about getting together again rather than being two separate countries. Yeah. Yeah. Boy. So it's good it, good thing he good thing he didn't tell the real story, huh? Yeah, I know. So, right? uh, you know, that wouldn't have worked. does this mean that we're not going to next year eat turkey, this and that? But we need to understand at this point, in Plymouth, Massachusetts, there are two sides of the story that are being told to this yeah. day. We've That's got right. a, a, a we've got a, a a group that are celebrating. We've got another group that's mourning. That's it. In a, that's it. In, well in, said. In a, in a well said, John. Well said. That's it. So. Uh, you know, one of the mm. things I learned about it, in a little anecdote that I learned as I was doing my research, is I said, you know, Ben Franklin, you know, was the one who basically uh, <laughs> found it and kind of discovered electricity with the kite yes, and everything. Yeah, uh, I didn't read the full story in this, but Ben Ben Franklin was almost almost uh, he he he, he electrocuted, electrocuted a turkey. He tried to electrocute a turkey. Like yeah, he ended up electrocuting so. himself. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. He's lucky. Well. The, the the turkey oh poor turkey but at least I survived. <laughs> yeah, it was the early form of the microwave oven. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! Hey, by the way, by the way, just one last thing about uh, yeah, go, go for it. Then we'll, go for it. Then we'll, we'll do the groaner, which is it's going to take some time. So uh, here's the deal. You know, I never looked at it properly. I mean, I've hung out with a lot of Indian people and and really enjoyed their company. And I was a little reluctant at first to go to a Thanksgiving event with Indian people. But at least the Lakota people really embrace it rather warmly because they told me, hey, any holiday that involves food is a holiday we will embrace. And so it's true. You know, that's pretty much the way that went. But then I thought, well, there's got to be more to it than this is all pretty superficial. I read in this article that you, you, there's an interview with a guy who wrote, wrote a book and, uh, he said this whole property thing, look at it from the opposite point of view. What if a bunch of Indians built a really big canoe and made it over to England and showed up and said, look, uh, we'd like to buy some land. And the English people said, or King said, or whatever said, sure. They'd pork over a bunch of gold buy a big plot of land, and what would be the expectation of the English people that the Indians could now take over the island of Great Britain, of, of, of uh, Britain? Would that be the expectation? 
because that was the reverse. Yeah, that's it. Exactly. That tells that that's a good way of describing exactly the way things turned out. And it's pretty, you know, pretty pathetic. No doubt. The thing that the disease is what really, really messed it up for the Indians. But the other thing is there was no Indian nation. There were no Indians. There were 500 different countries here. Right. So diplomatic nightmare. Yeah, it is. I mean, Having yeah. getting your act together collectively in terms of the Indians was was beyond a challenge. Yeah, the whole concept of owning property is, you know, the yeah. joke was, what are they do? What are they going to do now? Own the water and own the air too? You know, that was the joke. That was a joke. That's Indian humor. Oh, but little, I like little it. Did, Native American humor. I can handle it. Yeah, they didn't. Uh, they, it turned out to be though that we did think we could own those things. So, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, yeah, listen, some joke. we are uh we are now right depressed. Now I need a groaner. We need a groaner and usually we have two groaners by our groaner supplier Vincent Anthony Lauder Jr., but this week we were given a groaner by one of our active listeners, Nate McClure. And Nate and what I when I thought about this one and read through it, I said this is incredibly good. But it made me think about my formative years of learning. And when I was a kid, one of the things I was always concerned about was what is the what is the lead in your pencil? You know, this is a question you're always thinking about. What yeah, is the you lead in you your pencil? You eat it. You'd want, like to know what it is because you're going to eat it. Yeah. And, you know, one of the questions you can't go, now do I want, hard, want, do I want the lead to be hard or do I want it to be soft? Mm. Because I know I'm going to have to perform. Uh, penmanship, and That's so right. uh, this is an important question. So, I personally, it was a very easy decision for me because you see, I'm left-handed, left-handed. smudging, and I needed yeah. hard lead to perform penmanship That's right. That's because right. I needed so I wouldn't smudge. But you mm-hmm. know what? People, not mm-hmm. everybody, is able to come up with these easy, quick answers. And what no. our owner has to do has to do with is a specific literary figure who pondered this question and he pondered it to the point that he really never came to resolution so the question is why did Shakespeare never use a pencil to write his works why did Shakespeare yeah he, and oh, you know you what's amazing? You asking me for the no, answer? No, I'm going to tell you, you what's amazing. We we both we both know the answer because we That's got right. it together. He gave it to me. But when you think about the answer, what's so amazing about it is you don't realize that one of the greatest statements that we say with respect to Shakespeare's works comes because of this problem this literary figure had early in his life and was never sure about able this, to John? conclude. Are you sure about I this? I am positive. Okay, all right, all right. In other words, this answer came from that, and the answer to it is to be or not to be. He could never answer that question. Should I use the to be pencil or the what? Not or not use the to be pencil. And he kind of coined it in a way that only Shakespeare could within the context of the way he described things or said things in plays. So out of this came that expression. Because he could never decide, he never could use a pencil. Well, let me get this straight. In other words, this thing everybody says about to be or not to be is about the lead in his pencil? It's the lead in his pencil. And I mean, we've all, you know. Wow. 
were always I didn't know that. in the lead in our pencil, and he never was able to, uh, you know, bring that to closure. Uh, the other thing I learned about it is I thought, well, wait a minute. If you look at the, of course, we all had yellow pencils. We took a mm. look at them, and the first thing we did when we got and before we, you know, sharpened it up was to look to see if it was a two or three. There's That's actually right. there's two uh, the the a pencil industry yeah. is there's actually uh, it's there's a B and an H and an HB is the way it works. And I looked it up. Wow. And wow. the that has to do with the mixture of clay and graphite, the amount of clay and graphite in it, and then the the, the numbers deal with the actually the hardness of it as you know you you basically make the the, the lead. So uh, I was because I was always kind of when I got the kroner I was able to actually learn a little bit about the lead itself. So John, um, you've you've did a tremendous amount of work for this kroner. To be full disclosure, we went to high school with Nate McClure. Yes, he was one of my high school buddies, um, yep. and he listens to the show, a very a very good listener, and, and always providing us with, if, if there's something that needs to be clarified or edited, because we never make mistakes. Never, never. Never would do that, but Nate points no. out things that might make the better, which make a, a great show excellent, you know. Oh, uh, <laughs> oh. You're using superlatives. Well, it's just a level of superlative that we're looking at here. It's a fine line, which only the... the, Uh, That line, is that drawn with to be or not to be? I think I'm using the... I'm just going to jump up to three. I mean, I've never gotten away. You know, the other thing about the three... I like two and a half. I like two and a half myself. Yeah, there was a two and a half, wasn't there? I forgot about that. 3.5, yeah. Oh, well. Mm. Yeah. So that's a good word. Thanks, Nate. That was really a good. That this really kind of elevated. It, it gave us a, a sense of refinement. Uh, it, it takes it. You know, when you can, when you get a groaner, which is a factoid like this one is, that deals yeah. with a soliloquy of Hamlet. Uh, yeah. You know, it doesn't get any better. That's all I got to say. 